This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And we have Mr. Brandon Smith from the great state of Montana on the show today. And I got to tell you, people, if you have never heard Brandon talk, you should. What's going on, man? Well, thank you. Hey, it's so good to be here. David, Kyle, just honor, super pumped for just this time together and uh, talking all things insurance. How cool is that? I don't know if it'll be all things insurance, but well, you know, I don't know, we, I don't know we, how we cool it is either. I think it's <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's be honest, like none of us love insurance. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. I, you know, but I like the sales process. Yeah. I like the sales game, and you have to have that in order to be in this industry. So that's True. what feeds me. I'm I'm not uh, the insurance geek that a lot of people are. I, I like to read coverage forms to a certain degree and understand them, but. um I'd much rather just focus on nothing but production all the yeah. time. No, I hear you. Like, yeah, I, I don't get fired up about insurance. It's the helping people, providing solutions, the game, the the social strategy of how people think and their buying process and adapting systems and strategies that in return make a profit and impact my life and our team's life. And so I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So listen, I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this know who you are, but why don't you give them the quick and dirty, you know, give them the backstory, tell them how you got to where you're at, and then we'll we'll start diving deep into what's going on with you currently. Yeah. Well, no, thanks, man. I, uh, 17 years in the industry, and I don't know if I can use the label veteran yet uh, because I've seen so <laughs> many other guys in the industry that have been there 30, 40 years, and they're, they're the veterans. And so still relatively, relatively young, learning a lot in the industry, but I uh, came into the industry right out of college at 21 years old and I was clueless. I could not, I didn't know what a deductible was. I had heard that term, but I couldn't comprehend what it was. And I went to get licensed from going into the family business. And honestly, I failed uh, the property casualty test twice. Uh, I got it on my third time because I, I was clueless. Like things did not make sense to me. Co-insurance, indemnification were just beyond uh, hmm. my mental capacity. And so I really started in the industry as a uh, marketer. I was marketing. I was in, in our community. I knew people. and I was naturally selling insurance without trying to sell, just based on the relationships I was building. And then really got into some hardcore production and had, had you know, what some would call success with that and realized that I didn't want to continue to build a silo of business, but wanted to create exponential growth and train our team to use the same systems, strategies, procedures that I was using. And uh, we've just had phenomenal growth, um, have been a part of, you know, kicking off IAOA uh, back in 2015 with Nick, Dave and Grant, um, created our own programs, we've had the opportunity to speak and just share what we're doing at, I think, every industry event there is. And uh, just the opportunity to rub shoulders with honestly the best of the best. We have an amazing industry with some of the greatest people. And they really are, it's, it's friends and family. I look forward to events and conferences for the downtime in the hallways and the, the dinners and the evenings, uh, because that's where we learn from, you know, just sit there and soaking in what other guys are doing and learning how to take that back and implement and tweaking what we're doing. Like we talked about a minute ago, there's, there's a, a sales strategy game to it. And I love that I'm able to stand on the shoulders of giants and 
where we are today and you know that that success we're having is based on what others have done before me and so i'm really good at copy paste plagiarism uh i have no <laughs> new ideas i'm doing what others have done and uh so yeah that's a little bit about my background and just passionate about um encouraging uh insurance agents producers agency owners uh, motivating them challenging the way they think like we get stuck in that mold of doing things the way we've always done in an industry that's already 10 to 15 years behind the rest of the world with a lot of our technologies and automation. Like we got to challenge uh, the status quo, um, but doing that in a way that isn't condescending, that's encouraging, it's motivating and providing tools and solutions and networking. And let me introduce you to my friend who can help you with that, or this CR, CRM or this AMS, and here's how it works together, but helping you with people achieve their goals, whether that's our local producers and our team, or that's agents around the globe, uh, not around the globe, around the country. But, you know, and so that's that's who I am. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, I think it's interesting because there's so many people that love to complain about the problems, but very few are willing to work on or offer solutions in in our industry. And that's one of the nice parts about having a, a group like IAOA and, and some of the others that I'm involved in where you can network with people and share those ideas and make yourself better. And I mean, we were obviously joking about it that. I went to dinner um, with a group of agents, you know, while I was on the road this week that are also in the middle market space that I, I play in and just kept my mouth shut and listened. And I think that there's so much that can be gained from other people's experience. And it doesn't mean that everything that you hear can be plugged in, play, plugged in and played in your agency. It may not work in your state. It may not work in your um, you know, overall strategy, but there are so many good ideas that I have that are actually really something that I've morphed out of something I heard somebody else say and was then able to plug into my own agency and customize it to work for me. And, you know, the fact that we have a network that in you and I run in the same circles, you know, but we have that network of people that if I, if I have a question or I want to bounce an idea off of somebody, I've got a, a Rolodex that's a mile deep now of people yeah. that have either already done that or they're actively working on that. And I can tell you, man, I've been in the industry exactly 17 years, just like you have. And the fact, but, but I've only owned my agency, you know, we're in our fifth year at this point. We launched in 2016 to know that I have people that have been doing this for 20 or 30 years is, you know, there's, it's priceless. Yeah. I don't know all the answers. I got I have right. to have people I can pick up the phone and call and ask questions to, because there's guys like Ed Cooper and Jerry Conry and a bunch of these people that have been in the industry much longer than I have, they've forgotten more than I'll ever know. Right, right. And you just hit on something that was so good that there's, I mean, we never know at all. There, there's so much more to learn and adapt. And I fell prey to that chasing the bright and shiny. There was an era where I would go to these conferences and hear this, 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 and this, and go home and sign up for all the softwares and try to plug in. And I'm getting frustrated because I'm trying to manage and run figure out goes in. And it's, creating paralysis. We're not writing business or growing because we're trying to manage softwares and systems and strategies and do what everybody is telling me we need to do. And so like mm -hmm. to those listening, my, my encouragement is always don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. Like, yeah, you can't What works for you and agency own it, be secure and confident in who you are and make your agency the best possible agency in your community, wherever you are. Figure out what works and stick to it. Yes, you can learn and adapt, but uh, we've got a long journey, long road. We are independent agents. We're, we're independent. We have the ability to do what we want to do and what works for us. And that, that's what makes this industry so great. I absolutely love what you're saying there. Yeah. So, I mean, I went to innovation for the first time um, back when it was in Vegas. That was the, I, I had not been in the face group, uh, Facebook group prior. I mean, maybe just a couple of months and decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. So I, I went to, to uh, Vegas a couple of years ago, and I literally filled up about a legal pad and a half with notes, just listening to people, listening to you speak. You did your Field of Dreams deal that at that innovation. I remember watching that um, and thought that was genius, like a lot of other people did. And I, I, I listened to the different automations and the software, and I mean, my goodness, man, I'm a sales guy, so I respect I respect other good salespeople. Then I went into the 
into the the vendor hall and I'm like listening to every single person thinking, oh, I should try this. I should try that. And I joke about it all the time. You know, the shiny object I came back with was personal lines. Like I had everybody telling me, hey, you have all of these tools. Why are you leaving money on the table? And I'm like, you know what? They're right. I should do it. So I didn't even really even think it through, Brandon. I came back and said, I'm launching personal lines. And I started reaching out and getting appointments and all of that other stuff with zero processes around it whatsoever and realized this is an absolute train wreck. So once again, I'm going to thank Justin Sloan publicly for talking me into doing that. (laughs) It's got to be like the 10th or 15th or 20th billionth time that that's been brought up. On yeah, here. I know. But, but the thing is we, we figured it out at this point. No, so we had to actually right. step, I, I just stepped back and said, all right, enough's enough. We got to get processes yeah. in place. Then I'll throw money at it. But I mean, I, I wanted to do everything. And I think part of that is me being entrepreneurial. Part of it is also, you know, I think that we're in a different level of peer pressure with the social communities that exist online. So it's one thing to go to a conference and be around a bunch of people and go into a vendor hall and see all of this cool technology, which I think all of it is relevant, you know, to to somebody. But, you know, it's a different deal when you're constantly engaging people in an online ecosystem and everybody's showing you all of the things they're doing. You have that sort of inherent pressure to try and keep up with the Joneses. So after that year of doing, you know, dealing with all I did with with the personal lines debacle, I went to innovation in San Diego last year and said one thing, just one thing. I want to leave here with one thing that I didn't have before I left. What's the problem that I need to have solved and who's going to solve that problem for me? And that's yeah. it. And I and I came out with so much more clarity than I did before. But I think, you know, again, I'm we're all competitive. Anybody who's in this industry is competitive. You you have to be. You have to have that edge to you. And when you see other people doing things and with social media highlighting that and making it even more apparent to you, then you feel almost forced like you need to keep up with the other people. And that's the number one. I mean, that that advice is spot on. And it's the exact same thing that I would tell anybody. Don't don't go hunting with a shotgun. Hunt with a rifle. Find the one thing that you need to fix right now and fix it, then move on to the next. It's okay to have like a list of all the problems you want to solve, you know, and all of the things that would be nice to have is that you might be able to find use for. But the other thing is just let's look at it from a straight financial perspective. You go out and sign up for all of this stuff. There is absolutely no way you can implement all of it simultaneously. So now you have monthly payments that are going out for products that you can't even use. And I mean, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm telling you, this is exactly what we went through. I mean, I really probably (laughs) being completely transparent, I need to go through the bank statement and see how many things I have on auto pay every month right now that we're not maximizing efficiency on. And look at Kyle laughing. Yeah. You need I, still, no, I, I still get emails from uh, Zoho. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Zoho. Like, yeah. Because it's on auto renew. It renews once a year and I always forget to I cancel tried, it. I, I tried to cancel it. I don't think that I was able to. So you might, yeah, you I need, to, you might need to look into that. You know, it's funny. When I, when I go to those conferences, my, my personal rule, and this isn't for everyone, this is, this is a Brandon Smith rule, is avoid the vendor hall. Don't go in there. Don't. Because we have enough experience. We know who we are. We've discovered our identity and where we want to go. And I believe we have the, the right pieces in place. Now it's maximizing those. If there is something new that I'm missing or adapting, I want to gain that from conversations like this, visiting with you in the hallway in San Diego or, you know, talking to, you know, a Claudia McLean or some people that have been there before me that are just brilliant in some of their systems that it can bring to me, hey, here, here's the pieces you're missing. Here's the how-to. And then they can make that introduction to the vendor and because there's a trust, there's a relationship established. And so when I hear a vendor saying, buy my product, buy my product, you need my product, it doesn't have the same power and weight as an experienced agency veteran who I have a relationship with and I trust who says, hey, you should look at buying this product. That means so much more because they know our culture, who we are and what we're doing. So for me, it's avoid the bright and shiny, stay out of the vendor hall, rub shoulders with agents in the hallway, be, you know, listening to people speak, take notes there and then react rather than just going in and, you know, like you're on a shopping spree. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing too, man, if you talk, talk to another agent, they're going to give, they're going to do the one thing that everybody should be doing in 
you know, the sales process, even though they're not selling you, they're giving you the why behind it, right? They can say that you should get this product and here's why, because this is what it's done for my agency. And you might find out when you get that explanation and you get the why, it may not meet your need. It might right. not be what you need. At least you can have educated follow-up questions from that point. But, you know, I, I it, it's just you cannot place a value on exactly what you said. The rubbing of shoulders with other agents, the speakers that they have are great. The vendors are all great. That's why we have the conference. But that one-on-one -on -one time with people that you don't get to see all the time, even if it's not even if it's not business related, just continuing to build that relationship. I have lifelong friends that I've made that I didn't even know two years ago. Right. Dude, I'm, I'm jacked. This coming April, there's a conference you and I are both speaking at. I am more excited about the people that will be there than the conference or the opportunity to speak. It's the relationships that have so much value. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, you are doing some cool stuff right now. I know you've got your producer development program. I want to talk about that. And I know, and you can tell me if you want to talk about policy tea or not, but I know that you're involved with that at this point. Um, I noticed a dramatic spike in social presence. So I immediately asked Nick if he had sold it to someone. <laughs> and then, um, you know, talk a little bit about your agency and some of the things you guys have done there that you think people would benefit from hearing. So I'll let you to pick whichever one of those you want to start Sweet. with and we'll roll. Well, we can hit all three. We'll start with the, the quick one, the easy one, uh, policyt.com. Uh, just a fun apparel site for insurance agents. I, you know, uh, run MVR t-shirts, uh, boats and HO5 uh, t-shirts. You know, just, 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 just fun. You got it there. Um, but just a lot of fun. Just Cool swag, just funny, good laughs, gets attention in the community. Uh, I went to the gym the other day and walked in with my, uh, I was wearing a Run MVR uh, long sleeve tee. And the guy at the front desk at the gym goes, Run MVR? Like, I, I'm not getting it. What is it? I said, oh, it's terrible insurance joke. I'm in the insurance agency and we have to run motor vehicle reports. And he goes, oh, that's awesome. And it created a conversation which generated a new lead. I got him in touch with our office and uh, just this week. So I don't know if we've written him yet, but he's uh, just so just fun swag. Um, you have seen an increased uh, social media presence, Instagram, Facebook with policy T. Uh, the cool part is my 13 year old daughter uh, was our only employee and she manages all the social media and just give her the content. Here's what to do. And she's done a phenomenal job and just learning how to manage social media and campaigns and target marketing. And so, uh, nice. the, the biggest thing with policy is just an opportunity to invest in my daughter, help her learn business that's not taught in school at 13 years old. So, well, you uh, could tell her she's successful in her endeavors because a dude from Tampa, Florida, had a noticeable uh, or saw a noticeable spike in online presence, and she's doing a good job. Awesome. And I think you bring up a good point, man. I mean, insurance by and large, insurance agencies over time have been handed down from generation to generation. You know, you have a lot of multi-generational family agencies. You know, we had Mike Crowley on to talk about the things that he's gone through. And there's, he's just one example of many. I made the decision when I got into this industry that I'm not going to pressure. I have four kids. I'm not going to pressure them to do what I, you know, to follow behind me. I just, I don't, I don't want them to feel like they're pigeonholed or have any animosity, but what I do like is the fact that there are other things that may be one off from the agency that I can engage them in. So, you know, the deal with policy and teaching your daughter about business and online presence and all of that, whether she chooses to engage in the insurance aspect of things or not, really is kind of irrelevant. You're giving her a skill set for her life that right. she can use for anything. And, you know, I've purposely kept my mouth shut because I don't want to go through the headache of trying to force my oldest son into doing anything. And over time, as he went out in the real world and got a job bagging groceries, he realized that his old man may be onto something. And so he starts to ask those questions. Hey, you know, how do you make money doing this? Or what do you do with that? And so he is in a TV production class. He's in his senior year of high school now, and he's in a TV production class and has been for three years. So I just basically said, look, man, I don't know if you have any capacity outside of your, you know, grocery bagging gig or not, but I'm really looking for somebody that can help me with video editing and some other things around the content uh, we're producing. And I know that you have some experience in Adobe Premiere from your um, 
TV production stuff. Do you have any interest in doing that? I said, oh, man, yeah, absolutely. You mean I could come and work at the office and do all this stuff? As a proud, as a proud father typically would, he's got it. You know, I went out and got him a laptop set up and all of the stuff that he needs to do. But then what happened is my 14 year old son, well, Grayson gets to work with dad. How come I can't go do it? So now Landon comes over every day after school and he's the one who handles all of like the actual videotaping. So when I get on camera, he's the one turning the different cameras on and doing the clap to make sure I can line up the audio from the different views when we get it into premiere. And so it's been a cool experience for me because as a father, of a, of boys. Okay. I have three boys and a little girl and, and it's not that I love any of them more than the other one, but the little girl's different than, than the boys are is a boy's father. That's always been, that's, that's my dream. I want the boys in the business with me. I want them to be able to do, um, you know, the things that I do. And so there's some level of validation there for me that if I can make this work and I realize that I'm still dealing with teenage kids and I can't necessarily be overbearing with them, that I think it could turn into something really cool. And if nothing else, it makes my days better for having them here with me. Absolutely. You know, my, my 13 year old daughter, she is so ecstatic about working and having an income and it's kind of, you know, I have reasons behind it because I want to teach her and help her develop skills, but I also want her to learn how to handle finances at a young age. I see so many people out there having no clue. And so just this week we went to the bank, opened up a checking account for her, got her a debit card, uh, gave her up, put a hundred dollars in her account. And over the next year, I want her to learn how to balance a, a checking account, how to uh, make a deposit, withdrawal, plan for the future. And so I told her, I said, Avery, if your balance one year from today is $100 or greater, I will match every penny in your account. Uh, you, you can go spend, you go to the mall, you can go spend your $100, that's fine. But if next year you have $105 in your account, I will give you $105. If you yes. have $500, I will give you $1,000. Because I want her to be thinking long-term, saving, investing that balance of just not frivolous spending. And so now her siblings, they all want to come to work for dad because she's getting all this money. She's going to make all this money. And so we're walking through this, but they're, they're eight and 10. So it, it, it'll be a little while, but uh, my fear is now with Avery, with her working and all that, I'm going to end up writing this girl a check for three grand in a year from now. And I think I made a, I think I made a big mistake because she is that kid who, who is going to do it. Um, but no, it's, it's not about the insurance or getting them in the insurance business. It's, the life skills and insurance just happens to be a gateway, a doorway to so many different opportunities with marketing and strategy and podcasts and audio visual. I mean, all those things. And so if you can bring the family into the business and not even be tied to the, the insurance aspect, I think that's a win for everyone. So kudos. Yeah, to those you are, those are cool voice. stories. Those are cool stories. My, um, my son <laughs> hit me in the face with a wooden block this morning. So <laughs> There's that. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna bring the big cat into this somehow and, no, and tie no. it back to him. No. Yeah, we had your son's policy this morning or something. Yeah, he he awesome. hit me right in the eye with a wooden block. It was pretty fun. So he's eight months old though, so he's got some time. That that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I th I think it is cool to get the the next generation in whichever way we do that. And you know, part of that too. It, you know, look, life skills are awesome. But you and I both know that there's a void of some of that that can be taught inside the insurance industry. And both of us have our own ways that we're trying to go about fixing that. And I know that you've come out with the producer development program. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. That's something that's extremely important to me because I came into the industry with absolutely no experience and there was no way for me to be trained on just the basic stuff yeah. that I needed to do. I'm not somebody who's going to sit back and wait. I, you know, I took the bull by the horns and I went out and created my own process and did all of those things. But as an agency principal, I realized that I have to have tools in place to teach people when I bring them on in how to produce. And I've always had some level of sales acumen uh, and it's something that I've been passionate about, but learning to apply what I know into this industry, it wasn't a direct translation. And I probably talked to a dozen agencies who told me no, that they wouldn't give me a chance that they, I mean, and, and I'm looking at this man, I, 
I was making over $100,000 a year in retail, which, you know, by today's standards, isn't as much as it used to be. But back then, it was still a pretty good chunk of change. I couldn't get a $25,000 a year starting producer job. Nobody was willing to take a chance on me because they didn't think that I, uh, or they didn't believe that they had what they needed in order to get me up to speed and get me trained. And it made me mad. And as a result, I went and figured it out on my own. And then I went and targeted all those agencies' business and tried to take it from them to teach them a lesson about why they should have hired me. But I look back at it, man, and it is a major, major gap. And, you know, I don't understand where the industry's head is when 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 this comes up. Because to me, and I've been pretty vocal about this, if you're a producer looking for a job, you're not a producer, okay? Because producers get locked down wherever they're supposed to be. And what I mean by that, to clarify before everybody decides to send me nasty emails, is this. Good producers are either taken care of by the agency that they're working in, by and large, and they have a path to, uh, to partnership or whatever that agency needs to do, book ownership. There's a million different ways you can do that to give somebody the golden handcuffs and get them to stay. And it starts with culture, but financial mechanisms as well, because I'm a big believer in building both income statement and balance sheet wealth. Okay. Too many times we focus on the income and we're not focusing on the asset. And if we're setting younger people up for success, we need to explain the difference to them in what the two of those things are. So back to your point with what you're doing with your your daughter in the matching of the funds, I took a page out of Ramsey's book, right? I did the same thing with my son because I knew it was a safe bet. And I offered him to match him dollar for dollar for everything he saved up to buy a new car. Well, he's driving an O2 Civic that costs 750 bucks because he didn't listen to what I had to say. And he complains about it when it breaks down and everything else. Well, unfortunately, Grayson, this is a life lesson you needed to learn. And you're not in, in harm's way by learning it, but maybe next time you'll understand. Here's how you do this. Now, my middle son, I'm scared to death. He's going to be driving a 7 Series because that joker, has a, <laughs> he has a lockbox in his in his bedroom that I don't even know how much money he has in that thing. He refuses to put it in the bank. He's probably going to end up living out west somewhere in a mountain cabin running from the government because that's the way he <laughs> thinks. But, um, well, dude, the ones you, you know, got to watch out for. Ethan and Caroline, don't they just have, don't they have a hustle where they just, they're doing oh, it's, it's insane. Yeah. No, my, my younger two, my, so, you know, my older boys, I don't really talk about it a lot, but my older boys, I was, I was married prior to Andrea. And so Grayson and Landon were from my first wife and Ethan and Caroline are, are my children with, with my current wife and my last wife. Um, but you know, their DNA is so much different. It, you know, they, my wife, is as alpha male as I am. Like I sometimes wonder if maybe she lived in California for a while and made some bad decisions, but like she is every bit is alpha male as I am. And I mean, she's in sales. She's got a great job with her company and you know, my, my two kids, Ethan is nine. He's my special needs guy. And Caroline is seven. They hustle, man. Like, Caroline, we we she was walking around with a pocket full of money. We had no idea where it came from, and it turned around. She goes door to door in the neighborhood, knocking on doors, just asking people if they need their dogs walked. And I'm like, <laughs> you're seven. Like, what oh, are you going to do? Go buy slime with this? I mean, I don't. <laughs> think, but it's insane to watch them. You know how how they approach it. But I mean, it's a huge it's a huge issue. I think in our industry, you know, from and I'm going to bring it back to the, to the whole training thing. And you know. Basic sales skills are not something that come naturally to a lot of people. I do think that people who are really, really good may have some level of natural ability, but it's the passion behind them really enjoying what they do that drives them to make themselves better, become more educated, hone their skills, you know, push themselves to go after the next next tier up the the ladder, the next rung up the ladder, whatever else. But it all starts with the foundation. So talk a little bit about what you're doing to build that foundation. Well, I mean, we could talk about this all day. I mean, that's why I have a course that's multiple hours. Um, so 16 years into the industry, I realized that all producer development training, all new sales training in our industry is either dry, lethargic, boring in a sterile conference room in a hotel with a 93-year-old agency veteran in a suit and tie trying to tell us how to sell like he did back during the great depression or <laughs> it's uh 
high level courses like a Grant Cardone sales program that's an all encompassing. Here's how to sell. Here's how to go. Here's a here's a rally and inspiration, and it's twenty thirty thousand dollars, or it's from an insurance carrier saying, hey, we have this program. Uh, one or two options you can pay for it, or we can give you a loan that you can earn back by selling more of our product. And through the course, it's going to have a slant about our product. We're going to train you how to sell, but it's going to be with our product. So who wins in that? The carrier. Again, look at the size of their building. Look at the size of our agency. Uh, they're always going to win. And so I realized we've got to have a program that develops producers. When there's agency owners hiring, they don't have the time to go sit and develop and give them all the tools in the trade because they stop production. They stop doing what they need to do to go train, you know, that new David Crothers, they got to take that risk on that guy who's doesn't have the experience. And so I wanted to create a program that, that does that. And I don't get into, you know, the definition of deductible or indemnification that that's for you to learn and get your license in. And you hey, CIC and CPCU have been doing that for decades, man. Right. And that's what I tell everybody too. I, we don't need to recreate the wheel. If you need foundational insurance knowledge, there are plenty of great places that have proven that they are experts at teaching that. I mean, that's where my designations came from. So why would yeah. I not send my own people through that? So I, I agree with you completely. That's not where the gap is by any stretch. Right. And so COVID-19 COVID hit. We have this pandemic. And I had, I think, 15 different conferences and speaking engagements in 2020 get canceled. Mm -hmm. And realized, wait, I love to motivate, encourage, and challenge insurance agents. And that's not happening. Like, I miss that. And so I took my message, created a course and said, here, you don't have to fly me in. You don't have to put on a big event. You can just, this is a one-off, get this course, give it to your new producer, give it to your team, your agency, go through it. And anytime you hear me speak, my catchphrase, I say it every single time, the difference between a contact and a contract is that letter R. It's relationships. The difference between a prospect and a policyholder is a relationship. The difference between a window shopper and a buyer is a relationship. And so you and I know well enough that retention, retaining a client is 10 times less expensive than going out to try and acquire a, a new client. And so when you have a relationship with somebody, their heart follows. And when you have their heart, their wallet follows, their retention, their referrals, their loyalty, and you develop what all the all the other sales programs are saying, you need to create customers for life. Here's how to do it. Sell more of our product. No. Go love people, build relationships, invest in them. And then when you have loyalty, it makes those objections. Oh, my price went up. My claim was denied. When you're working with a friend, it's so much easier to have those conversations and retain the business. You know, in the movie Jerry Maguire, they say the key to this business is personal relationships. The key to our business is personal relationships. And so when I was out there traveling and speaking, we we talk about how we're doing these things. And then all the follow-up emails and calls where people want to pick your brain and figure out the how-to, people in our industry don't know how to network. They say, well, yeah, you said I need to be out and network in my community. I, how do I do that? What's that mean? What's that look like? And that stuff's not taught. Agency owners aren't mm -hmm. teaching. Agency owners are telling new producer, hey, go out, you know, pound doors, pick up, phone, pick up the phone, make calls, cold calls, go network, build relationships. And they don't know. They, they walk out and they, they panic and they freeze up and it's, it's not surprising that 92% of new producers leave our industry in the first two years because they don't have the tools and resources. They have the head knowledge, but don't know how to go out and do it. So I took, so I created a course on really relationship selling. Uh, I wanted to hit how to, how to build relationships, how to do that in your community. You mentioned earlier, my field of dreams, you're coaching a youth sports team. Here's how to leverage that and generate thousands of dollars in revenue by doing what you're already doing. Uh, how to overcome objections, My, you know, how to break away value versus cost. Um, you know, you're too far, you're too young, your agency's not big enough. Are you experienced? You're only 22 years old. How do you overcome those objections? And how do you understand really what the question is behind the question? You know, when people say, uh, you know, you get an online lead, a digital lead, and they say, oh, I thought you were more local. You're too far away. That's really not their objection. Their objection is, are you accessible? Are you reliable? I don't want an 800 number. I don't want a call center. Are you a real person? But how do we develop that terminology to overcome that objection in a way that builds and strengthens that relationship that leads us to the sale and the customer for life? So, you know, we're, we're going to hit on prospecting, 
you got to know your product. When somebody asks a coverage question, don't give them an answer that is the insurance jargon definition of the coverage. Have a real life story that you can share with them about an experience, a time you saw this coverage in place and, and what it looked like. How to generate a proposal. Like, what should a proposal look like? How do you deliver a proposal? Um, and then, you know, I share exactly what we're doing and, and the, the programs we're using in our agency and the software and walk, walk you through the how-to. And, and maybe you want to use a different CRM than we use. That's totally fine. But the principle is the same. Um, there's a crazy alarming statistic out there that uh, there's two of them. But one is that only 13% of clients believe their agent truly understands their needs. Wow. 80, you want to grow your business? You have an 87% opportunity of gaining market share by just slowing down and building a relationship and knowing your people, knowing your clients. That's huge. So without giving away too much of the secret sauce, what's like <laughs> one piece of advice that you know you could give maybe either a new agent or someone who is maybe struggling with, with building relationships. Let me, let me get, say one thing quick before you yeah. answer that, Brandon. One of the questions I get more than anything else is how have I been able to scale my agency? And I didn't, I don't really think about it that much. We spend money on technology and marketing, lead generation, all of that stuff. But when I sit back and look at it, it revolves around my personal book, right? My personal book is the overwhelming majority of the agency revenue. And somebody asked me this week, about one of my accounts, we were having a conversation and they said, um, oh, how long have you had that account? And I said, 16 years. And then I was talking about another account. Oh, how long have you had that? Uh, 12 years. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm realizing that part of the reason my agency has been able to scale is because my average relationship is 10 plus years old in my book of business. So to your point about retention, it's not necessarily as much about scaling as it is retaining. Certainly you right. can add new business, but if you're adding new business to an already solid foundation, that's the beauty of residual income and what makes this industry so great. To the point that you made about um, you know relationships and accessibility, I was in St. Louis this week, and when I was out there, I uh, some some friends of mine, Josh Gurley and Andrew Deering from Warner Robins, Georgia, were also in St. Louis because they have a national program for truck and trailer uh, truck truck body manufacturers and trailer manufacturers, and they were in a meeting yesterday. I was talking to Josh to see how their appointment went. They were in a meeting yesterday and. The lady just uh, said, "Look, you know, uh, we're we're a little bit concerned about you, you know you not being local. We're we're concerned about accessibility to to see you." And Josh said, "I'm as accessible as the cell phone that you have in your pocket." And I I probably would have said, "Well, you are talking to me in person right now, so I mean, obviously, I can make it to Missouri." Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's interesting, man. You know, with COVID and all of that a lot of the relationship tactics that you need to know are changing dramatically and it's bringing down geographic barriers that existed prior. And those don't exist anymore. People are willing to do business over the internet, which is uncommon in the middle market. You know, in my world, we still put on a suit and tie and we go shake hands and thank people for the business. And we were meeting in conference, conference rooms and everything else. But with all of that morphing, there's a land of opportunity for producers and, and agencies to grow outside of their own geography, number one. But number two, what I believe is it also is a huge opportunity for prospects to be able to expand their horizons in the people they would normally talk to. And they can really focus on getting the best overall solution and value proposition delivered to their company because they're not encumbered by geography anymore. They have right. the ability to go out and pick the absolute best. And I was talking to these guys. I was When I was talking to J Andrew and Josh, they um, we were going back and forth literally all day yesterday because they got an objection from somebody else the week that they had met with the week before who basically their answer was, well, you know, I talked to the owner and they would prefer to meet with, uh, you know, they would prefer to stay with a local agency. Now, 
that local agency does not have the specific industry knowledge that it is dialed into exactly what these guys do. So I told them, I said, you need to send an email back to, to the gatekeeper and the owner and make the subject. What happens to you if we don't meet? And then you can go in and say, because we are specialists in this, here are three bullets that have happened to companies who weren't with a specific a specialist in your industry that moved to us. And this is what happened to them because they weren't with a specialist that ultimately made them move. You have the choice right now to make the move and avoid having to go through any of this pain. And, you know, we'll see if it works or not. But, you know, I think it's interesting. The, the, uh, the geography is huge. Oh, by the way, that's straight out of Never Split the Difference, just so you know, Kyle. One day you'll uh, get the book. Yeah, cool. No, it's so good. And, and, you know, to Kyle's question, I mean, honestly, Kyle, I could give you 100 answers, and each of those answers we could break down and spend an hour dissecting. I don't want you to give away your I got, I, got two, I got two nuggets for you. One, yeah. I think, is just valuing people. And I use an, ac an acronym in the course for value. Vulnerability, authenticity, level-headed, upfront, and empathy. When you do those five things, it's your sale to lose. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I see so many people that aren't upfront. They they hide terms and conditions and don't don't sacrifice your integrity just to peddle another policy like that. Mm -hmm. That drives me like up the wall that people do that. But just I know somebody viral, else that, that I know somebody else that doesn't like that either. <laughs> it, it it yeah this this guy right here yeah it just. You know, just be real, be authentic. And when you have a relationship, it's so much easier just to be real and to be honest. But I, I think part of, uh, you know, and this course, it, it's more than basic sales training. There, there is some, you know, you have to have some insurance training in there to make the principles work. But I think asking the right questions when you have a prosper proposal, learning to ask the right questions can make a huge impact on not just getting the sale, but the size of the sale. Um, one of my favorites that our, our team uses that generates thousands of dollars in new revenue a year. It, it sounds so juvenile, so simplistic. It's ridiculous. But when somebody calls your office for a new quote or to make a change to their existing policy and they need to add a pickup or an SUV, after we get your make model then, we ask the question, does that F-150 have a tow hitch? Guess what the answer is every single time? Yes. Yes which now we opens the door to oh, what are you what, tow? Yeah. What are you towing behind eight, that bad boy? Eight, eight, eight out of 10 times, the answer is nothing. I don't tow anything. But those two times, that's where you learn about the boat, the ATVs, the snowmobiles, the utility trailer, the camper trailer. And it isn't that they're hiding it from you. People are uneducated and they assume their ATVs are covered on their homeowner's policy. Mm -hmm. So they're not hiding it. So it creates a comfort. And when they say, oh, I've got two ATVs and a trailer we tow on, you know, a couple times a year on the weekend uh, out to some property. Now you're able to say, oh, so do you have a $1 million or $2 million umbrella? Right. Eight out of 10 times, the answer is we don't have an umbrella. So all we've done is now open the door to deeper, more meaningful conversations where we're going to be vulnerable, authentic, level-headed, upfront, and serve them with empathy. We're going to get that account uh, because of that relationship in their heart. And when they send referrals to us, guess what? People who own boats and ATVs, guess what their friends have? Boats and ATVs. So your referral is no longer that monoline auto with the chance at a renters for a college kid who referred his roommate to you because you did a good job. You're working with people. And, and we all know the numbers. When you have three or more policies, your retention goes up to what David just talked about. 10, 12, 16 years of relationship. Um, so just wanted to ask the right questions. And in the course, I've got like a dozen of those of, um, you know, we ask our clients when they have a three car garage, we ask them what they keep in their garage. <laughs> That's where we find out hobbies. Hey, what's in your, in your garage? <laughs> yeah, don't ask me that question, man. Good <laughs> grief. Well, uh, yeah, we did. So, yeah, that was the life hack that we came up with last weekend. We're redoing our whole garage, putting in custom cabinets, had an epoxy floor put down because ooh. my garage is the bane of my existence, period. I can't stand it. It's like literally, it's like the storage shed that you just open up the door and you throw everything in, and wherever it lands is where it stays. It is absolutely despicable the condition that that got in. And I told my wife going into this year, we spent a ton of money during COVID fixing all of this stuff. 
we the garage is next. I can't. I mean, I'm the guy that literally every time I need a socket, I go to my socket set and the one socket missing is the one that I need to finish that project. It's uncanny every time. But here's a life hack that you probably didn't think you were going to get on an insurance podcast. Short-term project, had to empty the garage out, get the floor fixed, and then let it cure for 24 hours so that we could then put stuff back in because the cabinets aren't getting done for another month yet because of just scheduling and all of that. So I went on, we were looking for pods and all of this other stuff to see what it was going to cost. I went out, I rented a U-Haul for $19.99 from a place that's one mile from my house. We loaded up the U-Haul, left it in the driveway the entire time that they did the floor, unloaded it. And I did the same thing that would have cost me 400 bucks for a pod for like, 125 bucks solid but Brandon, to your point here's the thing man this is what i like about you and, and it's it's something that i get guilty of because i think so many times we are worried about having the greatest sales trick or you know being slick in our presentation or having that gotcha moment or whatever else at the end of the day you build your business through the basics asking just simple questions. And so many times we're worried about the most advanced technique or whatever else that we forget that stuff. We forget the basics. And I mean, I'm going to use a a real world example. I was in St. Louis because I specifically needed to help a friend with an account. And it was a contractor, general contractor that is not getting jobs because their experience mod had gotten to a 1.11. And it was cost causing some pretty significant heartburn in the relationship. And I wanted to be able to help them go and make an appeal to the other firm that was qualifying the GCs and get them to open them back up. Now, some circumstances around this, the mod went up because of one indemnity claim that was a result of somebody that's not even in the construction aspect of the business. It was a part-time person that cleans the office that was doing something they were not supposed to do on an upper floor of the office that had had some floor damage, which had subsequently turned into some roof damage on the lower level. And the person went up there after they were told not to, they stepped in a soft spot, fell through the roof and ended up getting injured. Okay, so Mm. here's the here's some more circumstances around that. We go into the workers comp database. This person has four prior workers comp claims over the course of the last decade. So this was not an accident. More than likely, I don't know why you would want to fall through uh, a ceiling, but whatever. Um, and the, but the other thing is, <laughs> it was not relevant to anything that they would be doing on the job site. So we pull the historical experience mods and we show that they've always been you know, below 0.9, number one. We pull the record of this person who um, had done everything you know, to, to, with these other comp claims. We ran the DART rate to show the number of days away from work and benchmarked that against the average construction company in that state. And we went through all of this extravagant stuff to make our argument. And I got on the plane yesterday and I'm, I, was, I read a couple books on the way back and um, I got to thinking, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I have so overcomplicated my argument. I've so overcomplicated my position. And and here's why. On the very front page of the experience modification worksheet, at the bottom, in smaller than desired print, it clearly says this information should be used only for insurance rating purposes. It should never be used for safety scoring related to job bidding. It says it right on NCCI's worksheet. Hmm. So all I really needed to do is say, why are we using this as a basis to determine whether or not somebody is going to get a job? NCCI themselves clearly say, don't do this. There's a reason for that. It doesn't give you the whole picture. Here's the whole picture. This is why we don't think that you should exclude us from doing the work. This could be a $20 million swing in revenue for this company or whatever, it ends up being just because of that one simple thing. But I was so worried about coming up with this dazzling case that I never dialed it back to think, here's that one piece of information on the front page of the mod worksheet that the rating bureau themselves says, don't use this for this purpose. Here's why. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Now we have an airtight case. GC's open back up. Well, there you go. Completely overcomplicated the whole thing. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, it happens. We man. do the same thing every day in our agencies. We have overcomplicated the simplicity of, of selling insurance. Well, it's it's like when 
when you start to become an expert at things, then, you know, like you said, David, you, you start to try to finesse and, and kind of maybe pick up some different strategies that are more extravagant. And every time I would try to do that in past careers, it would always result in, in my, um, you know, my numbers going down and I would be, well, you know, what's going on here? Like, obviously I know what I'm doing and I'd sit back and I'd look and be like, well, in this situation, I started having this conversation with this buyer for like <laughs> no reason other than I knew too much about what I was talking about. And I ended up talking my way out of the sale. And I think it happens yeah. a lot. Well, I mean, and here's you know, another, it's, it's, I was just saying it's, it's cliche you know, we hear that you have, you have two ears, one mouth, listen more than you talk. But the yeah. truth is in our industry, if we just shut up and listen, our clients will tell us exactly what we need to do in order to get the sale. We'll, we'll learn everything we need to know. And, you know, there's, there's producers, we have them on our team that just stop talking, please. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Just stop. And just shut your mouth and listen. And you'll get the sale. You know, don't, yeah. don't make it more complex than it is. One of the things, you know, that we started, I made a commitment at the first of the year that I'm going to start pumping some money into different, avenues to do lead gen because you know our primary way to get in front of people and the most successful in my opinion um for the long term is cold call marketing drops we we go and we call on businesses we we haven't done a ton digital we ha digitally we haven't done you know a ton of telemarketing stuff i we 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 have success in being very focused in knowing number one who is our ideal prospect and how do we, how, who, where are they around us? And then how can I get in front of them? And so we'll literally knock on doors and go in and introduce ourselves. And then we'll, you know, we'll put some stuff inside a HubSpot and let it do the automated drip campaigns and, and all of that stuff. But, you know, we, we used Wes, An um, Wes Anderson's company, Agency VA. And we have a guy that's a VA that has absolutely zero <laughs> zero calling experience for setting appointments. And the thought process behind it was, I don't want my producers calling on companies that we don't have a ton of information on. I want them to go after the high mod business because we know we can close that. I want them to go after the middle market stuff that they have gone in and, and they need to follow up on, on the drops that they've made. But that leaves this huge subset of all of this stuff in our CRM that we're never doing anything with because we just don't have the bandwidth to do that and go on new business appointments. So I decided that I am going to build a an appointment setting machine and I'm going to do it on a v virtual assistant platform. So a couple of things. Number one, I didn't realize that Marvin was a common name in the Philippines, but apparently it is because I know five guys from the Philippines and four of them are named Marvin. So either that's like the number one alias that they use or it, it's a thing. But the other piece of it What's is this. amazing alias to use though, by the way, like yeah, if like, that's what, that's what they're going with, that's incredible. Like I wonder, do they like have pictures of Marvin, like posters <laughs> of Marvin Hagler on their wall? I mean, I don't know, but anyhow, but here's what I've learned through this process this guy doesn't know any different. We're, we're building him from the ground up. Do you want me to tell you, I want everybody to pay very, very close attention to what I'm about to say. This guy has never called before and he is booking appointments. He's booked at least a half dozen appointments so far. Do you know why Brandon? Because he's asking for the appointment. That's it. Earth shattering. He calls up and says, hi, I'm Marvin from Florida Risk Partners. I understand that your workers' comp renewal is coming up. I know you weren't expecting my call, and honestly, I've got a ton of calls to make today. I don't want to take up a ton of your time, but I would love to set a time next Tuesday at 2 or Wednesday at 3 for one of our agents to talk to you about that renewal if you would be open to it. Which one works? And it's done. Mm -hmm. Now, people are hanging up on him. People aren't interested, but he's also booking appointments through a very basic conversation. You don't, we're not spending a ton of money on software. We, we don't have any you know crazy mailer that we're sending out. It's literally picking up the phone, calling and asking for the appointment. And I, I see this even at the closing table over the course of my career. There are so many times that producers are talking themselves out of a deal when all they have to do is ask for the order. If you David, want the order, ask for it. David, in producer development program, I talk about you know, 48% of producers never follow up with a prospect. Like that, that's ridiculous. Like you just want to just follow up, just pick up the phone. Just, it, it's that simple. Quit worrying about what CRM, what software, how do you use Zapier and just figure out how to call your client back. Let's start there. You know, let's, let's quit chasing the bright and shiny. 
and serve people. But in the program, like we end the program really with how to close the sale. How to, cause that's not taught when you get your insurance license. And again, agency owners are like, hey, hire a new producer, go network, go sell insurance, quote issue, and don't have the process or systems in place. And we don't teach them, here's how to close. Here's how to ask. Here's how to read body language. Here's how to understand who the decision maker is. More times than not, you're not dealing with the decision maker initially. You got to get past the gatekeeper. But agency owners aren't saying that, aren't teaching that. And it's it's so frustrating that the difference between success and quitting in the first two years is literally an inch. If we can overcome that gap, success is unbelievable in this industry. And I think part of the problem lies on the shoulders of the agency principals themselves, because I have heard this from the horse's mouth multiple times. Well, nobody taught me. You're going to have to figure it out. That's how I'd learned it. School of hard knocks. Why would you not want to run your business better than the guy that you learned from? I mean, it just, it makes zero sense to me. Why wouldn't you want to set your own producers up for success as opposed to letting them figure it out? I mean, you're going to burn through really good talent by not supporting them. And that's a whole, I mean, you wouldn't go buy a, a new car and then never take it to have an oil change. You have to maintain what you, what you invest in. And in in producers being maintained is something that's a huge deficiency. So I'm glad to hear. I wonder, I wonder with the day, like looking at myself, like I'm being vulnerable and here, like I, when I was selling full time, had some great success, had awards, accolades, trips, had had done all that at a young age. I was going on uh, agency trips or carrier trips. And I was like the youngest on the trip by like 20 years. And had done that. But inside of me, now seeing some of our producers outperform what I was doing, there's part of me that struggles with that because I wanted to be the best of the best. So I can somewhat relate to, I learned the hard way. I'm not going to give them because I don't want them to ever. But it's this push and pull because we want to grow our agency. We want to be great, but we don't want to take and invest the time because what if they might be better than me? And we got to get to a place of being able to look ourselves in in, in the mirror uh, every day. I think, you know, the, the Snow White analogy, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall every day, the mirror tells you who's the most beautiful. And if we do that every in our real, look at the mirror and be like, all right, mirror, mirror on the wall. What do I need to do today to reach our goal? What do I need to grow? And sometimes that's just saying, you know what, I need to invest in this producer because they're able to reach and impact people that I won't be able to. And I, I think there's, so there's a little bit on, on both sides of that, of just uh, pride and ego get in the way of growing our agencies. I think pride and ego get in the way of doing a lot of stuff, man. And if you can check that at the door, you're ultimately going to be way more successful. Let other people learn how great you are. You don't have to be the one to tell them. Yeah, absolutely. So talk about a little bit about what's going on at your agency. um, And then we'll wrap up. I want to be respectful of your time. But I have to tell you, man, when I watched your presentation at uh, Innovation last year, I was left scratching my head trying to figure out how anybody can make a living in Montana selling insurance based off of what we're used to in Florida. You rattled off all of this stuff that you did. And when I saw the premium that you put there, I'm thinking, that's a home, two cars, and an umbrella. And it was like five accounts. It was crazy. So talk a little bit about that because, I mean, you guys have to have processes and everything else on lockdown in order to be able to, to make a, make it profitable. And I know that your agency is extremely successful, but you have to have some pretty serious volume in order to make it work with the numbers that I saw. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I don't want to, I mean, again, being authentic, we don't have it figured out. We have a long ways to go and we're trying to grow and adapt and, and get better. Um, I recently talked to you know, my two cousins, uh, partners. And I said, guys, I, I feel like the biggest fraud right now. I've been out traveling, speaking, saying we're doing this and this and this, and here's the results we're getting. And we're struggling at maintaining and continuing to do this, this, and this. I go on and talk about our new onboarding program and how we're wrong people, but that still takes time and discipline to do that consistently. And we've got to be better at these things. And so, um, yeah, we have systems and strategies. Are they on lockdown? No, we're, we're human. We get distracted. We're chasing and trying to adapt and figure out. So, uh, but what we are good at is following up, taking care of people, uh, under promising over delivering. And so we do have a lot of good things going. 
Uh, we are in the process right now of another big transition of moving our CRM. Uh, we are breaking away from uh, Infusionsoft and going to the Better Agency platform and just having phenomenal success there, loving it. Um, it's uh, a dream come true. Nice. Uh, what those what those guys are doing. Uh, because we, we have six different platforms running right now between our Easy Links, our Comparative Raider, Help Scout, where our, our service requests are dropping into, Ring Central, um, Infusionsoft, Pipe Drive on the front end. And it's just, we got people all over the place. So to have everybody on one platform is going to be uh, amazing. So we're, we're walking through that transition right now. Um, which, which is a big project, uh, but we have a, a, a really unique setup. We insure uh, about 800 uh, churches and nonprofits throughout Montana, Wyoming, and North Dakota. Hmm. Uh, we have an exclusive contract with Brotherhood Mutual. We're their only agent, and uh, we insure roughly 90% uh, of the churches in, in Montana. Wow. And so what we've done is we insure the churches, and then we're able to cross-sell uh, with our life and health team, their their group health, their retirement plans. Uh, and then we bring in the, hey, we've done everything else here. We can help you with home and auto. We work with the church staff and then hoping for referrals throughout their congregation. The the, the downside is that every church has a state farm agent in there. So it's not as successful as it may, it may sound, but that's really kind of the approach we've taken in Montana. Uh, at the same time, uh, we have a phenomenal relationship with Dave Ramsey and his team. Um, we have figured out the systems and strategies to make that referral program work. Uh, yes, the leads are expensive. Yes, we get bad leads. Yes, we get fraudulent leads. Uh, but we are still consistently in the black on the first year. And uh, we have 18 different territories. Uh, or Sorry, we have 22 different territories in 18 different states where Dave's sending us leads. And so, uh, you know, th those numbers you're seeing, David, we uh, systems and strategies. Uh, we have a system and throw the leads coming in. So on our personal line side, we don't really have a lot of producers based on definition. We've got a lot of great closers who follow up with the leads we're feeding them and we have a system and, and if they stay true to the system, it works. And uh, since like 2009, we've been just continually building and making the system. And uh, at one point it was all an Excel spreadsheet where a lead comes in, we're typing in, we're calling, we're making notes of when we, we followed up last and just to have, you know, CRM that's automating all that for us uh, has been huge. And, and it comes back to the sales thing. I hear guys all the time that they're getting online leads and they're terrible and they're struggling. And well, 48% of producers don't follow up with a prospect and you have a 90% chance of making a sale after or making contact with an online lead after the sixth attempt. Uh, you know, how many guys stop after that second, third try and be like, oh, I got their voicemail again. It was no good. Uh, so building out the systems where we're making 19 attempts uh, with online leads in the first 45 days, and we are making contact with 92%, uh, quoting 70% of that 92%, and then issuing just right between 48 and 51% on any given month of those leads. Um, so just, just we're very unique in the sense that we're, you know, property casualty, we've got life health, doing a lot with Medicare. Uh, and then we have some financial planners and a wealth management side. And so the internal cross-selling of, you know, we're paying a high, a high dollar amount for a lead, but we're able to maximize that because we can do everything and cross-sell. And um, so, yeah, we're uh, here, Western Montana. Uh, Dave, it's beautiful. You guys got to, you got to get out here at some point and it's coming. Hit, hit, the, hit the slopes this time of year. And um, there you go. yeah, so just, loving life and loving our team and um, trying to motivate, encourage and challenge agents along the way. Nice. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, you, we've been going at least an hour. I don't even remember because we cut off the, the first time, but I wanted to be respectful of your time. And, and thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today. I know you're busy and you have a lot of other things you could be doing. I think that a lot of people listening to this are going to be able to take away quite a bit from this conversation and probably will want to learn more about what you're doing. So why don't you tell them how to find you? Um, and you know, website, all of that stuff for producer development program, policy T, all of that stuff. This is your shameless plug. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, I am all over social media. Uh, Brandon Smith, uh, extremely common. So replace the S with the number five. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, Instagram, that's my handle, Brandon5MITH. Uh, 
policyt.com, uh, producerdp.com. Uh, again, I wanted to create a program that was not overpriced that added value that every agency can afford. It's not a high ticket item. Uh, it's $399 for an individual user, uh, $1,500 for an agency of 10. But I guarantee you, just that one question alone in there, do you have a tow hitch? We'll pay for the program time and time again. It's so worth it. This isn't my get rich, my retirement campaign. This is a way in the middle of a pandemic to invest in agents, motivate, encourage, challenge. Uh, check it out. Um, but dude, David, Kyle, thank you guys so much. Um, absolutely an honor to be here and just share the last hour or so with you guys. Thank you. All you guys are doing for the agent, the industry. And I, I'm motivated and encouraged by what you guys are doing and your podcast and, and the guests. And it's just, you guys are, uh, you guys are some of the giants that I'm able to stand on the shoulders of. So I appreciate you guys. I don't know about all that, man, but I appreciate the compliment. And it was it was definitely an honor and privilege to have you on. I hope you have a great weekend. And uh, go Bucks, my man. Go Bucks. Hey, go Bucks. Go Bucks I, way, I, yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up my good friend Eric Garcia right now, who uh, decided Oof. that he was going to talk to me on my Facebook. Well, he, he posted something yesterday because I have a habit of leaning back in my chair and it makes my head look like it's going lower. So he thought he was being funny um, by posting a picture of me inside of Cass's mastermind, but he was imitating me and pretending like his head was like right at the level of the thing. And, and he said, and he made some sort of a snarky remark. And I guess he forgot how quick I am on my feet. Cause my immediate response was, Oh, well here's my, he said, here's my impersonation to David. I'm always worried about, um, you know, a sinkhole being under his chair when he's in a picture. And I said, here's my impersonation to the new Orleans saints. Oh yeah. My bad. They're not in the picture. And <laughs> And so today he decided he was going to hammer me on one of my posts about this weekend. And um, he said something about, uh, well, Brady probably deflated the balls. And I said, yeah, well, he deflated the Saints' hopes and dreams. So I guess that's always possible. Big <laughs> oof. Big uh, oof. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, we're pumped, man. It's, it's exciting. It's going you know, to be a tough game, man. It, uh, I mean, especially since we you know, beat the snot out of them earlier this year. I'm, I'm thinking they're out for revenge. And uh, dude, Rogers has just been on an absolute scorched earth tour this year. I mean, I'm, he's... I'm, I'm nervous. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a big TB12 fan. Um, yeah. I always had a lovely guy. Um, I do. I think it comes down to the running game. If we can hold them to under 150, maybe 200 yards in the running game, I think we'll be okay. Uh, but oh yeah. They, far, they, far, I don't think that they – I would be surprised if if they rush for more than 100 yards, to be honest with you. That's – that's so I, it's, it falls on our secondary. You know, 100%. Adams is a stud. Story of our life. Uh, I was going to say, that is uh, the story of the Bucks' life since John Lynch yep. and Rondé Barber retired. So, anyhow, yeah. listen, we need to wrap up. Brandon, yeah. thanks again, right, man. Bruce. hope you have a great weekend. All Appreciate it, guys. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.